Hello and welcome. The following message is from Benediction Church in Hamilton, Ontario. So that I will not cause him to fall. This is the word of the Lord. Hey, so before I was a pastor, many of you would know that I was a school teacher. And one of my first teaching gigs was at a school called St. Mary's Catholic School in Mount Forest. And this is the this is the actual inside of this, of St. Mary's Catholic Church in Mount Forest. And that gives me so many good memories of leading the choir in this church building. Um, but I faced a moral dilemma every time we went there as a school for Mass, which happened monthly. So I had this monthly moral dilemma because, uh, I don't know if you know this or not, but in Roman Catholic teaching, when they gather for worship and they, they offer communion, what Roman Catholics believe happens is that when the priest says his prayer and he does his stuff, the the bread and the wine is transformed and spiritually it becomes the actual body and the actual blood of Jesus. And so when you go forward in order to receive communion, what's happening is that you are being forgiven once more. You're being cleansed once again each time you take communion, time after time. And as the leader of the choir during Mass, I really enjoyed that that role and I even took communion a few times, but I noticed that I was being watched during communion time by my my kids and by my colleagues. They were watching to see if there was anything unique about the way that I took communion. I had, again, so I had this dilemma. I had to kind of rethink how and whether I should take communion because if I don't eat, then I was kind of afraid that they would go, well, okay, I guess he thinks he's better than us. And, and that's not the message that I wanted to send. And yet if I do eat, even though I know that it's just bread, and even though like I know that there's nothing that's changed about the bread, it still sends a message. And the people watching me, my kids and my colleagues watching me might think, oh, I guess like he's not better than us. And he's coming forward in order to be forgiven, just like the rest of us. And that's not the message I'm trying to communicate either. And it seems to me that's kind of the same dilemma that faces the Corinthians in chapter 8. We're in this series called Table Manners for Brothers, Sisters, Saints, and Sinners. We've been looking at a whole bunch of different uh, cultural moral issues, and we've been trying to figure out how do we, how can we love each other in light of these issues. Today, the question is whether or not it's okay for us to eat meat sacrificed to idols. Now, that's not a question that you have probably wrestled with over the last couple of days. You might think that that would be an easy decision if you faced it. It's actually not. Because like some of you, you are, you know, you're, you're culturally hooked in, you're down for anything, and your answer to something like this is absolutely yes, unless there's a biblical command to say no. And even in that case, you might find a way to convince yourself. Some of you, though, some of us, you find yourself, you maybe are a little more cautious, a little more conservative. And so your answer, your default answer is a no. Like even if you're allowed, even if, uh, even if scripture says it's fine, your answer might still be no. In fact, you might, the only reason you might be a yes is if scripture actually commands it, right? So, so there's actually all kinds of good reasons why a person might find themselves in, in one of those camps or the other. In fact, one of the things that we're going to see today is that in this issue of meat sacrifice to idols, it's not like the answer is always yes and it's always no. There are some circumstances where the answer is going to be yes, and there's some circumstances where the answer is going to be no. 
So my aim today to, is to, to share some reasons why Paul would, will say we should eat, some reasons why Paul would say we shouldn't eat, and at the end, what I think we're going to have is sort of a checklist that we can use for making decisions about these tricky cultural issues. But where I want to begin is to make sure we understand what this, what's going on here in context, okay? So in Corinth, the center of the culture is this temple of Aphrodite. That's her Greek name. Her Roman name is Venus. And in this temple, it's at the heart of the city, and uh, it's the center of the culture. And when, if it was your turn, if you're part of this pagan religion, it, if it was your turn, you would bring, you and your family would bring your animal to the temple, and you would ask, you'd say some prayers to the goddess. You would ask her to bless you or to bless your marriage and bless your family. And you would take your animal and you'd hand it over to the priest. And the priest would take your, your bull or your lamb or your calf or whatever, would kill it and would cut it up into pieces of meat and would cook it. And there'd be this big barbecue. And with your animal and with other people's animal, um, you would, there would be this, this big feast, this big celebration, and it would feed lots and lots of people. And there'd be dancing and partying and drinking and carrying on. And when that festival was over, what would happen is the, the, the workers at the temple would take the rest of the meat and would take it to the marketplace. And that meat would be sold at a discount. And uh, what that did is it allowed people to have access to meat who might not normally be able to afford it. They just needed to be okay with the fact that, like the day before, that meat had been used in a, a pagan ritual. Okay, you follow? So, like, so the dilemma for the church is, is that okay? Like, is it okay to eat this meat? Is it okay to eat it at the temple? Is it okay to eat it at the market? Now, spoiler alert, uh, Paul's answer is going to have very, very little to do with truth and facts and logic and reason. It's going to have more to do with love. In fact, Paul's starting point is that knowledge puffs up while love builds up. And so if we only make our, our decision here based on what we know, then we will have missed it. Okay, so the question is, when is it okay to eat the goddess meat? When is it okay to eat the Venus meat? And so uh, there are some reasons why you might say yes. One reason you might say yes is because meat is, is, meat is cheap and it's yummy. Now, this isn't stated in the text, but it's assumed. It's assumed and because his, his question is not, should we eat meat? Paul, Paul knows that meat is delicious and it's affordable. So the question isn't, should we eat meat? It's, should we eat this meat? So that's a reason why you might say yes. Another reason you might say yes is because there's nothing wrong with the meat. Like there's actually nothing wrong with it. In other words, uh, Paul is going to make the case that if you are a follower of Aphrodite, like if you believe in the goddess Venus, you're actually mistaken. And he says in verse 4 that an idol is nothing at all in the world. There is no God but one. And so when a person goes through with this sacrifice and they offer their animal, there's, it's like there's nobody on the other end of the phone. You understand? Like there is only, like in the universe, there is only the one true God and his son Jesus. And so the goddess meat can't actually hurt you because there is no such thing as the goddess. She's not real. And so another reason you might say yes is because there's nothing wrong with the meat. It's not been changed. And because of that, the third reason you might say yes is there's nothing wrong with eating it. There's nothing wrong with eating it. Here, Paul's going to say that eating and not eating actually have no impact on you before God. 
In verse 8, he says, food does not bring us near to God, and we are no worse if we do not eat, and no better if we do. Like, eating or not eating doesn't actually accomplish anything before God, and that needs to inform our sort of theological decision about whether or not to eat this idol meat. So now we've got three reasons why we would say yes to eating the, the, this meat. And now there are three reasons why you might actually say no. One is because of immature Christians. Immature Christians. Paul assumes that the, in the midst of this church, there are some people of whom he can say their conscience is weak in verse 7. Their conscience is weak. They're not, they're not strong. They haven't grown up yet fully. They still see the world in terms of black and white, good and bad. They haven't yet figured out that a lot of the Christian life is actually a a matter of living in tension. Like a lot of the Christian life is actually not a choice between good and bad. A lot of the Christian life is actually a choice between good and better. And if you can master that skill, that's actually a sign of maturity. But this person, Paul wants us to know, this person believes the meat is stained by pagan worship. Like, they think that it's a sin. And even though Paul believes that they're mistaken, like, he's not indifferent on this. Paul thinks that they're wrong. He thinks they're mistaken. Even though that's true, the fact that there are weak Christians or immature Christians here, that's reason enough for Paul to say no. So another reason he thinks we should say no is not just because there are immature Christians here, but because everything preaches. Like, your choice to eat or not eat, that preaches. And so he envisions a scenario here in verse 10 in which he ends up feeling responsible for another person's sin. So look at verse 10. If someone with a weak conscience sees you with all your knowledge eating at the idol's temple, won't that person be emboldened to eat what's sacrificed to idols? So in this scenario, you're at the temple. Now, what are you doing at the temple? What's a Christian doing at the temple? Maybe you're there because you have sort of been sucked back into your old pagan lifestyle, right? Like maybe you've fallen off the wagon. But maybe you're there because you've been invited by your neighbor and you don't want to offend them. You know, like maybe you're there as a witness. Maybe you're there as an ambassador of Jesus. And so I can actually imagine all kinds of reasons why it might be okay for us to be at the temple. But in this scenario... You don't have an opportunity. You don't have a way to explain to the weaker brother or sister who sees you. You're just there at the temple eating and dancing and carrying on like the rest of the pagans around you. And that preaches to the weaker brother. And so this weaker Christian sees you and they can make a conclusion. Okay, well, I guess like, I guess we're polytheists. I guess like we can worship Jesus and Venus. And so I'm going to join in this celebration too. And so pass me some of them ribs, pass those sausages. And for Paul, that's a sin. For Paul, if that happens, you have destroyed your brother. In fact, Paul's going to go on and say, he's going to say that this is so serious for him that if what he eats causes his, his brother or sister to fall into sin, he will never eat meat again. He would rather never touch meat than be the reason why his brother or sister sins. That's kind of a big deal. Now, before we leave this section, there's something that I think is really important for us to notice. Because for Paul, in this scenario, there's two problems and not just one. 
Like there's two reasons why this situation is a problem, not just one. One problem is that you, the more mature believer, you've misled your less mature brother or sister. They've misunderstood what's going on. And, and that's on you. And that's a problem. But the second problem, you need to look a little deeper. You need to kind of step back a bit and realize that it's also a problem that we have failed to train this brother or sister to think biblically about eating meat sacrificed to idols. Isn't that right? I mean, like, like if by my example, I uh, lead a person who looks up to me, if, if by my example, I mislead that person into disobeying God, that's a failure. I've failed that person. I've sinned against that person for sure. But at the same time, if you spend years in a church and, and you never learn how to make good moral choices, and you only ever see the world in terms of binary, good, bad decisions, that's a failure too. Isn't that a failure as well? Like, and so, so I'm not, so uh, what I see here is that there are two problems here, not just one. One of them Paul deals with ex- uh, explicitly. The other one is sort of assumed in what, in what, in Paul's argument. Now, under these circumstances, though, because everything preaches, Paul's answer is no. Paul's answer is no. But I would just ask, how many of you, how many of you could imagine like a different set of circumstances in which Paul's answer might actually be yes? Like, could you imagine that? Could you imagine circumstances where Paul might actually say, yeah, it's actually okay for you to eat meat sacrificed to idols? Well, come with me a couple of chapters on. Come to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And I'm going to read in chapter 10, verses 23 to 33, where Paul picks up the issue of meat sacrifice to idols again. And this time he's talking about it in light of communion. But this is where he picks up his argument and continues. And he's going to offer another sort of perspective on why you might say yes or no. So here he's, he quotes the Corinthians he's, who, who might say, I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. Verse 24, no one should seek their own good, but the good of others. So verse 25, eat anything sold in the meat market without raising questions of conscience, for the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. If an unbeliever invites you to a meal and you want to go, eat whatever is put before you without raising questions of conscience. But if someone says to you, this has been offered in sacrifice, then do not eat it, both for the sake of the one who told you and for the sake of conscience. I'm referring to the other person's conscience, not yours. For why is my freedom being judged by another's conscience? If I take part in the meal with thankfulness, why am I denounced because of something I thank God for? Verse 31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews, Greeks, or the church of God, even as I try to please everyone in every way, for I am not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they may be saved. Now here, in this section, as Paul picks it up in chapter 10, he introduces another reason why you might say no to eating meat sacrificed to idols. And the reason is because of God's glory. Because of the question of what will glorify God or what will glorify God more. So it's not just about your rights. It's not just about what you're allowed to do. It's it's about what will be helpful and, 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 and beneficial. He comes up with another scenario. 
you're at a dinner party. You've been invited over to dinner at your friend's house in verse 27, and meat has been put in front of you, and uh, it happens to be meat that's been sacrificed to idols. In that case, Paul says, go ahead and eat it without asking questions. It's not a, it's not a big deal. You can go ahead and eat it. Do you see that? Do you see that that's what happens in verse 27? So that's a yes. But in verse 28, if your host puts that meat in front of you and somebody says, oops, we forgot to tell you that meat has been offered to the goddess. In that case, in verse 28, Paul's advice is, no, let it go. Like, it would be just too confusing. You'd have to explain it and it's going to mess with their conscience. So just let it go. And so you've got two similar situations and you and in this sort of like in, in some here, you've got two situations when the answer is no and you've got one situation, one set of circumstances where the answer is yes. But just a minute, come back a couple of verses to verse 25 because now it's not at the dinner party. Now verse 25 Eat anything sold in the meat market without raising questions of conscience, for the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Do you hear that? Like, here's a green light. Like, here's another situation where Paul's answer is yes. You're at the market doing some grocery shopping for yourself or for your family, for your, na- your neighbors. You come to the meat department, and here's the discounted meat, and it's got this sticker of a picture of Venus, and it's got a warning label that says, you know, that this meat has been sacrificed to the goddess Venus a couple of days ago. And Paul's advice here is, it's fine. It's fine because the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. God made meat good. We can enjoy this thing to the praise and glory of God. In fact, his sort of bottom line question here, his bottom line principle here in verse 31 is, whether you eat or drink uh, or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So if you eat do it, eat for the glory of God. If you don't eat, then abstain for the glory of God. Let the glory of God be the principle here. Okay? So, we've got three reasons why you might eat, and you've got three reasons why you might not. Now, I wonder if as we've been going along, you might have thought of some of the some cultural issues, like examples of, of cultural issues that are sort of parallel to this. Like, Probably you aren't wrestling with whether we're allowed to eat meat sacrificed to idols, but maybe you've thought of other similar cultural issues that we might wrestle with today. So, so Kevin and I, as we were, as we met this week, one of the issues that came up for us was when is it okay for a follower of Jesus to use marijuana? When is it okay for a Christian to use marijuana, whether it's like smoked or in like gummies or edibles or something like that? Another question that you might wrestle with is, when might it be okay for Christians to use profanity? Like what the culture would call profanity, like the S word or the F word. Like when would it be okay for Christians to use that kind of language? If you have sort of like an example of one of those kinds of issues that comes to mind, I'm going to ask you to share it in the chat, like maybe a word, maybe a phrase, maybe a question. So go ahead and share that in the chat. But I'm going to keep going. And as you as you sort of share your thoughts, I'm going to keep going. And what I want to do as I wrap up is offer three questions that I think boil down Paul's advice to us. So one is a question of motives. The first question is a question of motives. Are my reasons righteous? Like what's what's my motive here? Motive matters, right? So why do I want this? What's the win? What Like if the reason that you want to eat this meat is because, you know, when I eat meat, 
I tune out, I forget all my problems, I go into this altered state of consciousness, and that's why I eat meat. So that might be a reason. Or another reason might be, I eat meat as a way to climb the social ladder and prove to people that I'm really important. Another reason might be that I eat meat in order to prove to my parents or to prove to my teachers that I'm not a fundamentalist. Okay, so there's lots of reasons why a person might eat meat. And, and just so you know, those are not great reasons. Like if those are your reasons for eating meat, it turns out, like I would say, meat has actually become your functional savior. But if your reason for eating meat is, I like meat, it's delicious, it's nutritious, I can share it with the poor, uh, I get to enjoy a meal with my family or with my unbelieving friends... I actually don't think that that's wrong, according to this passage. I, that seems to be okay. So the question here is, do I have good, righteous reasons for wanting to eat this meat? Okay? And if you're not sure, I would encourage you to ask somebody. Talk about it with somebody with whom you're in community, somebody who knows you. The second question is a question of morality. The first is a question of motives. The second is a question of morality. It's The question is really, can this glorify God? Can this glorify God? Like, what has he actually said about this thing? There are some things that are simply off limits. They're just plain evil. Uh, they're just forbidden. An example, it seems to me, is murder. Okay? Like, murder is just off limits. Like, there is no way to murder to the glory of God. And there are a few things that I think uh, are in that category. On the other hand... One of the things that I think happens as we grow up in our faith is that is we realize that some of the traditions or some of the rules that we learned and we practiced, turns out they don't come from scripture, but, but we realize that sometimes we're making choices out of fear of criticism from other Christians or people that we look up to. And so this question here is, it's not what will the Pharisees think? It's not what will my parents what, or what will my teachers think or what will my youth pastor think? This question is, what does God think? Like, can this thing be done to the glory of God? And again, if you're not sure, you might ask your, uh, a more mature believer, like, hey, I've been rethinking my view on idol meat here. What's your point of view? And if the honest truth is that it's, it is actually beneficial, it is constructive, it, it is going to result in praise and glory to God. It's going to make him look good. It's going to help people to flourish. It's going to help people to anticipate the kingdom if that's true, I'm not going to say no to that based on this passage, at least. So second question is, can this glorify God? And the third is this. It's a question of messaging. Okay, Does this preach a loving message? Does my choice to eat or not eat, does it preach a loving message? So like, if the message that's preached by your choice here is, hey, live how you want from Monday to Saturday. The only thing that really matters is how you live on Sunday. If that's the message that's preached by my choice to eat, then of course the answer is a no, because that's going to destroy my brother or sister for whom Jesus died. And here it's interesting because even if your first two answers are, are yes, if there's still the risk of being misinterpreted, if it's likely to be misunderstood by a less mature believer, it's still a no. It's still a no. But where that's not a factor it may be fine. Again, if you're not sure, you should ask someone. You should say like, hey, would you think differently of a Christian who ate this meat? And if so, why would you think differently of them? And so wrapping it up here, in answer to the problem that the Corinthians are facing about 
meat sacrificed to idols. It's interesting and it's so important that just when some of us expect Paul to say, look, here's the rule. You want, here, you want the rule? Here's the rule. Never touch meat sacrificed to idols. Stay away from it. Just when some of us expect him to say that, he doesn't. And just when some of us expect Paul to say, hey, you're free in Christ. Like, well, you're not Pharisees here. Go ahead. If you want to eat meat, do it. He doesn't say that either. What Paul does do is he goes through a couple of scenarios where the answer should be no, and a couple where the answer should can be yes. And so what he's done here is instead of giving us a rule, he's given us a set of factors. He's given us a set of principles. He's given us a, a, a set of questions for us to think through. And what we're going to do now is we're going to break up into our two breakout rooms. And if you're in breakout room one, you're going to take these three questions. You're going to apply them to the issue of using marijuana. If you're in the second breakout room, you're going to apply it, these questions to the issue of profanity. Okay, And your, your question is, when, if ever, is it okay for a follower of Jesus to use these things? When is it okay for us to use marijuana, if at all? Like, could you imagine circumstances where it would be okay? And the second one, when would it be okay for a Christian to use like the F word or the S word? When, when would that be okay? Regardless of whether you're using it currently, okay? So those are your, that's your assignment. I'm going to invite you to break out and go ahead and we'll come back together in about 10, 15 minutes. Now, if you weren't with us for this study in person or on Zoom, I guess, what you missed was that we spent about 15, 20 minutes discussing under what circumstances it would be okay for a follower of Jesus to use marijuana. And we had some really interesting discussion and feedback around that. We also had some interesting discussion around in what circumstances it might be okay for a Christian to use what's con- it's normally sort of considered um, profanity. So if you missed that, we're not going to share that discussion, but um, we'll just invite you to come and join us another time. Thanks for listening to this message from Benediction Church in Hamilton, Ontario. Feel free to copy and share these resources, but please don't alter the content in any way. We invite you to visit us online again soon at www.benediction.church for more teaching and information about how you can join us in serving and praying that it would be in Hamilton as it is in heaven.